It's great to be here. Look at your neighbor and say, you look mighty fine this morning. And if you're sitting next to nobody, you look mighty fine yourself. But we're excited that you're here. If you were not here two weeks ago, we actually started our series called Holy Spirit Who? Sorry, the transitions are a little slow sometimes on our computer there, but we started it up, and I want to kind of recap a little bit with what we discussed two weeks ago. You see, the Holy Spirit is the, the part of the Trinity of God, because we know that God has he shown himself and in, 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 in taught us. We have God the Father. He's the one that creates. He's the one that loves us and has the heart for us. We have God the Son, which is the Word of God, which was spoken through God and put in flesh and became in the form of Jesus. And he died on the cross for each and every one of your sins. And then he was raised from the dead and he was seen at the right hand of the Father because he's God. And then we have God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one thing that most people just do not fully comprehend or understand who he is. And that's why my heart has been driven to say, okay, how can we best teach people who the Holy Spirit is? And I've been digging through it and I've been questioning it. But one of the things two weeks ago that hit me so hard was when I opened up the book of the book of Genesis right here at the very beginning part of your Bible in chapter 1, verse 2. And it said the Holy Spirit hovered or moved upon the face of the earth. And what God exposed to us as we looked at it was God's Spirit is the moving aspect of what we need. He's the one that brings life within us. Because if the Spirit is in you, you have life. And if you don't have the Spirit, I'm sorry, you're probably facing some bleak existence here because there's not truth, because He's not refilling you. And unfortunately, if there's no Spirit in you, it's what we classify dead things sometimes. And humanity, for the longest time in its journey of history, has been dead to God. Trust me, I was going through the Bible study for this week and preparing little, little questions for your bulletins to encourage you to read. And one of the things that I always found interesting was it would be one king would be on fire for God and they would do things and then they would mess up and then the next king would come in and so, totally destroy everything that God was building up in the kingdom and he would live for himself. And then you'd see the destruction that would come in, the death that would come in. And then you'd see a couple generations later, finally another king would come up who would serve God with everything he has and life would become once again and then back down. And Unfortunately, it's what we see in the world today. The constant ups for God and the downs for God. And sometimes I think it's because we don't understand what we are called for. And that's the struggle that we get into because, as Brother Kenny alluded to this morning, the very breath in our lungs is the very breath, the spirit that God put in us to allow us to breathe in and exalt his name and exhale that out. You have to realize that God's got power within you. But as I get ready to dig into the message this morning, I'm looking at the time and I know what I got. This week I was studying and I, and I came, across a, a, came upon a memory that God had reminded me. And I didn't recall it because it's a season where I was not always in the clearest of mind. And I'll explain that in a second. But you see, 
I have a wife. Surprisingly enough, yes, I have a wedding band. I'm married. I have five daughters. And Well, husbands, you'll relate to this. Wives, you'll relate to this too. You see, my wife has a tendency to give me a task or multiple tasks on a list. And we call that, what, we, what do we call that? We call that a, a honeydew list. See, on my list, or yours, I can assume, men, you would probably have mow the grass, except for Brother Jim, because Millie does all that. <laughs> Fix a leaky sink, take out the trash, and break down all the boxes that your wife decided she was just going to throw into the garage and let you break down because it was your pleasure to do so. If you don't know what that pain is, let me introduce you to my wife. She's great for that. And I don't mean to harass her or get harsh on her. I love my wife. She's the greatest resource that I have. And then sometimes you get told, I need you to repaint this section over here or fix this over there. Take the car and get an oil change. How many of you have this, men, uh, if you guys have it? How many of you have been asked to go put the gas in the car, but the car says it's got four miles until it's dead? You know my pain. <laughs> it's an amazing thing that your spouse can do such a thing to you. And no, I'm not bashing on women, I promise. I'm just trying to relate it to where I come from in that aspect. And I'm sure, ladies, you have every good intention in there. But what I found is that these tasks are all given to us. And one of the tasks that happened to me that really brought my remembrance up was I was in the process of finishing our basement. I didn't know how to do it. I set YouTube to be my task source to learn all things. I learned how to drywall, I learned how to plumb, I run electrical, put a sink in, put a tub in, lay floor, do all that fun stuff. Even sand drywall, Brother Steve, which let me tell you, the first time was a nightmare. I was covered head to toe in drywall dust. But in the process of Working on our basement, getting it done, which I was doing predominantly, predominantly on myself. An incident happened at a youth event where I was walking and I tripped along the stage. And next thing I know is my arm hurt. And I'm like, I don't get this. And I'm up here holding the camera up because my wife says, honey, I need you to film this drama that the youth group is doing. And I said, yes, I could do that. And my arm's throbbing and my arm's throbbing. And the next thing I know is... I'm going to the doctor, and I, I find out I broke my elbow. Part of my elbow. Well, anyway, I love my wife completely. Honey, when you watch this, do not kill me. But about a week after I broke my elbow, she let me have a week. She looked at me and says, is that basement ever going to get done? with a broken elbow. And the task that was at hand was not an easy one because we were at the stage where you had to hang the drywall to the ceiling before you do the walls. Yes, you have to put the drywall on the ceiling because it, the side walls kind of mount up and you have to tape it and all that stuff. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, yeah, I could do it, I guess. But here's an innate task that I've learned from this experience. I always ask with the to-do list, honey, I'll do whatever you want without grumbling and complaining, but every so often, I will ask for help. So, me and Melissa were, were going at it. She said, how am I going to help you? I said, well, I can be honest. I have one good arm, 
It's great. The other arm hurts like crazy. So what did we do? I said, okay, I'll tell you what. You climb up this ladder. We'll kind of skimmy the board up, and you hold it up to the ceiling as high as you can get it. I'll nudge it to where it needs to go, and then I'll screw it in. That worked great for the first two boards. And then I got the, why don't you hold the board up on the ladder, and then I'll screw it in. And I said, honey, that's great in principle, because I'm a big guy. I could just put it on my back and like lean up there with a ladder because I'm tall. But it's a nine and a half foot ceiling, and I had one ladder. And I looked at her and said, honey, there's an issue. If you know my wife, and you know who I am, I'm six foot five. My wife, on every good day, says she's five foot and a half, five foot five and a half, but in all reality, she's five foot four. And I looked at her and I said, honey, I don't know how this is actually going to work. Can we just continue on? And then I kept getting the grumbling complaints. I say this in a way just to articulate it in a manner and a fashion that you could grasp it. But there are times in our lives that we need help. Sometimes we're required to be the help that was, that's needed sometimes. But in all reality, we need help. I have yet to meet a Christian person on this life that did not need help. Not one. Every single one of us have encountered these ups and downs and these roller coasters of this life, and we keep dealing with these struggles. But what I have found is we are not enough. And in the historical sense of, of our faith, we can find where that moment occurred. We all know that in the book of Genesis, after God created it, after his spirit hovered over the earth, in the moment that God looked down and he fashioned the garden, he says, let us make man in our image. And he put breath in him and he put him at task in the garden. And he looked down and he says, it's not enough. Let me make a helpmate for him because I see him struggling. And so he made a woman. And we know that the struggle even got even worse after that happened. I think you're going to get smacked, Brother Steve. Because then it got worse and then God set his example for us. I love my wife, every bit of pieces. She's been my ride or die, my helpmate, and, every, and even my, my hair pulling mate some days. But I look at her some days and I say, honey, you're great, but you're not enough. Can I say that again? I look at my wife every single day of my life and I say, you're great, but you're not enough. I was talking to Brother Chip this morning. And it's because the way that God designed us is that we're supposed to first honor God. Then your spouse. You see, there's a struggle within us that happens when we get things out of order. And that's what happened in the garden. You see, Eve was tempted by the serpent and she ate from the apple or the, the, the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then she got Adam to eat it because he's like, you ate it, I'm going to eat it. You're my ride or die, let's go. And then God said, okay, what have you done? And then he said, okay, it's not cool anymore. And then in the book of Genesis chapter 3, we find that God was getting ready to deal with all the struggles. And he says, okay, you leaned in on the wrong person. 
Yes, she's there for you to be the helpmate, but she's not what she she's not what you need. So the sin that came into the world caused a destruction within our understanding. And in Genesis chapter 3 verses 16 through 19, God set into place exactly the consequences of falling out of alignment. And he says to the woman, he says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and pain. You shall bring forth your desire shall be contrary to your husband's, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you not to eat of. And you, a curse is the ground because of you. And the pain you shall eat all of his days of your life. And the thorns and the thistles shall bring forth you. And you shall eat from the plants of the field. You buy you the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground or are taken from it. For the dust, or for you are dust and you the dust, you shall return. You see the struggle that we deal with is we fall out of alignment because we do not understand who God is. We don't understand who God the Creator truly is, let alone we still don't fully grasp the implications of what God the Son has done for us. And Lord knows the churches all over this world keep misunderstanding who the Holy Spirit is. Because we're still so self-worried about the struggles we encounter every single day. But let me say one thing real quick. Even in your struggles, God loves you. Even in your discomforts, God loves you. Even in your disobedience, God still loves you. And he wants to restore something within you. You want to know how I know? Because in the book of Genesis, after the sin, after Adam and Eve had been hidden, what did they do? They walked out covered in fig leaves. And God looked at them and says, why are you wearing fig leaves? Because we've sinned and we know that we're naked. And God says, I'm not leaving you with just fig leaves. I'm not leaving you with just a coverage that you think you need. So he did the first sacrifice and made them clothes of fur. And he says, okay, this is where we're going to start this whole learning lesson about my power. Can I tell someone today that God knows who you are? He knows your mistakes. He knows your dumb decisions. But what the God that I serve says is, I know what I need to do. I'm not going to leave you in your mess. I'm not going to leave you in your discomfort. But I'm going to try to show you the exact chances that you'll have to see me do my mighty work. The truth is, if I put humanity in God's positions here... I would have let Adam and Eve rot. Why would I cover them up? Why would I set the, the words up that says that your heel of the, your offspring shall crush the head of the serpent? Why is it that God set into his promises the impact of what he wants to do for each and every one of us? You see, it's because God loves you enough to not leave you in your sin. But who is the Holy Spirit in this situation? Who is it 
that God is trying to set forth. You see in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, what we find is that God is looking around and he speaks and he says, And then the Lord, your, the Lord God says, Behold, this man has become like one of us who is knowing good and evil. Now let us reach out our hands and take also of the earth. Now least he reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat for, and live forever. Therefore God sent him out of the garden to work the ground which he was taken from and drove him out. And in the east gate of Eden, he placed the cherubim with flaming swords turning in every direction to guard the way of tree of life. You see, God's got power within our lives that we don't even understand. God's got a purpose that his Holy Spirit is moving in upon in each and every one of our lives. But we cannot comprehend it completely because we're still so inward focused. Can I, can I, can I get a little real with you? There are days I wake up that I am dissatisfied. There are days I wake up and I'm like, okay, I got to go do the grime of life and I get to do all this wonderful stuff. But then I realize, what is it that God is wanting to teach me in my dissatisfaction? You see, God didn't want to leave Adam and Eve in the same contentment. He said, no, I'm not going to leave them in the same place where they had the awesome life. See, the garden was the place where life started for them. It's all they knew. It was the hope they had. It was the provisions that they expected. But when sin entered the garden, the very first sin entered this whole world in the garden. God says, I cannot leave them there, but I'm going to set forth a place to lead them by the example. And when he looked around and he spoke, he says, he's going to be like us. He's talking to the Trinity of the Godhead. And he says, if they're going to be like us, what are we going to do to fix the situation? So they kicked him out of the garden. Sometimes he puts us in places that we do not like. To teach us what he wants to remind us our hope is in. He wants to teach us how we are supposed to grow. We look at punishments as bad things sometimes, do we not? I'm sorry, I have five daughters. I'm often the bad dad. I had an argument with one of my kids the other day. She's looking at me going, man, 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 ripping me up and down the new one. And I looked at her and I said, who in the world do you think you're speaking to this morning? And she says, my dad. I said, and you think the way you're speaking to me is a correct decision? And she says, no, but, 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 but. And I said, da, 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 da. I don't know where you're learning this behavior or these habits. Guess what? Hand over the electronics. But I have score. I don't care. You can get pen and paper. But ah, no. I'm trying to teach you a lesson that's more valuable than gold. Because I looked at her and I said, honey, here's what you have to realize. You were not designed for anything to honor yourself. Your whole provision and life is meant to honor God with every action, deed, word that you ever say. And when you look at your sister one way and tell her you don't like her one way, and you look at your other sister and tell her she's lazy and you do this, but you're over there sitting on the couch eating nothing but chicken nuggets all day long, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, you're starting to get a piece of what my life looks like. I need hearing aids, or not hearing aids, earplugs. I don't want to hear more of it, I want to hear less of it. But I say that because it's the struggle within the human condition. 
And it's an age-old time-riddled effect on us because of the struggle of sin in our lives. If I were to ask you, what did you focus on this morning, what would you say? I'm sure it wasn't your spouse right away. It was, what's in it for me? I got to get up. I got to go to this and I got to eat some breakfast. Some of us are like, I need coffee. Lord knows that's me. I'm just being real. I'm sorry. I look at my kids some days. I said, don't speak until I get my coffee. I love you too much to want to rip your head off. That's where I'm putting my focus on them, where I'm not trying to kill them first. Thank you, Sister Stephanie. Yes. <laughs> but that comes in the preparation of where we're supposed to go. But here's the struggle we deal with. Even in our own selfward focus, God has a plan to bring us back into alignment to his plan. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He is God's hand and actions moving on each and every one of us, leading us through this thing called life to allow us to see something new. You see, there's a, there, there's a disconnect for some people. Because they're like, oh, okay, God, you, you saved me, and then you just kind of left me. Oh, what a wretched mess I am. Oh, I can't do this today. Oh, God, why did you put me here? God, why? What? No. You see, those arguments that we have within that self-mind are so often that sin that's trying to come back within us. But what God is trying to tell you is, he, even at the beginning, when God was spirit was moving at the beginning, he didn't stop. For some reason, I don't know where this teaching within the churches today, where they're like, oh, the Holy Spirit's just an Old or New Testament thing, where the apostles, and then once he was done, it's over. No. He's still moving today in each and every one of our lives, seeking to whom he can help restore. He's still active in each and every one of our lives, trying to lead us beside the still waters when we're living a life that's so chaotic. He's still God trying to get you to stop your mind racing and give you peace. Because that is only part of it. You see, in the historical sense of creation, God in the garden loved us so much that he filled us with his spirit in those moments. But our flesh got in the way. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is of flesh. For his days shall be numbered to 120 years. You see, God loved us so much that he didn't want to leave us naked. But he also loves us enough to not give us eternity where, where we can struggle with this flesh. God wants to comfort us. But we often look at the hardships that he gives us comfort through as neglect. Sometimes we look at God and say, I can't do this anymore, and then we wait for the Holy Spirit to come in and, and do all these crazy things because that's what we've been taught. But that's not exactly how it is. Because I need to tell somebody this morning that the Holy Spirit encompasses us for more. Yet, if you put that first point up for me. I want you to read that. The Holy Spirit encompasses us for more. That's been the beat heart of my drum this whole week. 
as God was speaking to me and ministering to me and as I was reading his word and letting it come alive in my studies. God didn't send you here just to dwell among the rest of us. But he has something more in store for each and every one of you if you would just allow him to unlock it within you. I know that sounds like a kind of a prosperity kind of message, right? Oh, you got to go and just get the spirit and you're just fine and the Lord's going to bless you and you're not going to deal with him. No. He wants to encompass you for more. What does encompass mean? Wraps around. Yes, Sister Shirley. It wraps around you. He wraps himself around you like a warm, comfortable blanket. Can I just be real with you a little bit more? There are days in my life where I get so stressed out and I'm like, Lord, I need you just to wrap me as a human burrito and let me just bask in your praise and glory. I'm done with people today. I'm done with my kids today. Lord, wrap me up. Some days it's got, that's what it's supposed to be. But some days I need him to, to encompass me with something that I don't have so that I can do what he's required of me to do. If you don't believe me, I can tell you right now, there's several people in the, Holy, or the Old Testament that you have not even read or unlocked. You'll find it in your weekly study this week. But if you'll put the next slide up for me yet real quick. What we find is in Judges chapter 3, there was a guy who was waiting around, and his name was Othanel, if I could say it right. And he was waiting around, and in Judges chapter 3, it says the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. And he went to war, and the Lord gave him the cushion king of Mesopotamia into his hand. Here's what I want you to realize. Whenever it says the Spirit of the Lord was around or on somebody, he's encompassing them. He's encompassing them for more. Look at it again, Judges chapter 13. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him and manifested And that's another example. If, I can't remember where I got that from. Another one was, was when Samson. Oh, I'm sorry, that was Samson, chapter 13. Samson. When he was born, his parents set him aside to be like a Nazareth, like the angel of the Lord said to do. And what happened? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and gave him the mighty strength to defeat armies. And the only thing that would change that was his hair getting chopped off by Delilah. But even in his weakest moments, as he's praying with his eyes gouged out, he says, Lord, just send me your spirit once more. And let me show the people what and who you are. Let me tell you right now, people. Each and every one of us should have a heart where we're like Samson on his deathbed. Every single one of us has to have that heart every single moment of our life saying, Lord, I need your spirit, Lord, right now. Lord, I need you to come and endue me with something so mightily. That's why 2 Corinthians 3.17 reminds us where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is hope. There is something even mightily. That's what the Spirit is trying to do in our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to come in you and around you and fill you up to where you can do his mighty works. Let me tell you, there are days that I get up to preach and I'm like, Lord, I could do this on my own. I know those are some days for his words, right? Lord, I studied all week. I got the word. It's perfect. I could probably queue up exactly when I'd get amens. I could queue up when my dad jokes fall flat. 
I could queue up when you guys would get up and go, Wah! But if that's all I did, what am I here for? Can I just... I have no power. By myself, I'm just a dude. By myself, I'm just this weird, awkward, porky guy that my wife somehow loves and that my kids roll their eyes at in the car ride on the way to school. By myself, man, I could eat a whole bag of bird Doritos. By myself, I ate a whole pack of Oreos. But let me ask you a question. What happens when you ask the Holy Spirit to come in? Spirit of power and a sound, and a, and a sound mind. Let me see here. Every day I wake up, the thing I've learned in my, I don't even, 17 years of being saved wow, that's getting old. I don't need to go back. Every day I wake up, what I've learned is, I say, Lord, thank you for the day. Give me the peace that I need to deal with what i got to deal with. Give me the soundness, Lord, and do it all. But Lord, give me your spirit so that I can get through it all. He can give me a peace and a sound mind, but if I don't have his spirit within me, Lord knows I'm going to go kill some people. These people, these people I deal with sometimes are crazy. And it's everything in me not to go all fleshly on them. But I wake up and I'm like, God, you gave me your spirit. You, you encompass me with your spirit for more. How can I be more? When somebody's over here lying to me left and right, telling me I didn't do X, Y, Z, or they didn't get this and that, and I'm like, all I want to do is just put all the expletive words into a paragraph and send it to an email. But when his spirit gives me the ability to type out a message that's articulated enough not to actually represent the world, but to honor him in all that I do while correcting the wrong that he was doing. How is it that his spirit comes within me when I'm praying, Lord, Lord, I'm not enough on Sunday mornings to come in and give a message to anybody. If it's just me, I'm just going back to speech class where my teacher would give me an F for everything I do. But it's by his power that gives me the ability to remember everything that I need to do, every word that I need to speak. It's every word that I come through. I'm like, Lord, I cannot speak for me, but Lord, I need your spirit to encompass me, to give me the words to speak so that I might edify somebody in this place, that they would have hope and reassurance, Lord, that you're still moving on their life today. You see, that's what God is trying to tell each and every one of you this morning. You're not enough by yourself. You're not enough. But he will make you enough. He wants to encompass you, to empower you, to get through every single situation you deal with. No, it's not easy. No, people are going to hate you all around. No, people are going to backtalk you all the time. No, it's not going to be quick and easy. But he says it's not by your strength or your might, but by his spirit. You will have the ability to get through it all. 
I'm sorry, the best battle I've ever learned to fight was the one on my knees where I said, God, I'm not fighting this battle. Holy Spirit, it's up to you. You go and do what you need to do. You need to put the people in the right places. That's why when I, when I looked at Elisha, the prophet, and he's like, Lord, I don't know what I need to do. And God says, just show them who's around you right now. And he says, Lord, show these people who's around it. And he, t- he exposed it. They were surrounded by armies of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But behind all of those people was the spiritual forces of millions. Let me tell you right now, you are not enough, but our God is greater than you. His Holy Spirit wants to show you those truths. His Holy Spirit wants to empower you to those truths. His Holy Spirit wants to make you better. His Holy Spirit wants to be the guy that's helping you hold the drywall, so to speak, up on your head. He's the best helper you will ever have and the best encourager. And better yet, he won't always backbite you all the time when you mess up. Sometimes he will rebuke you and show you what you did wrong. But other times he will let you learn from your mistakes for the purpose of growing you. You see, that's our hope every single day. Because this point too shows the Holy Spirit is also the one seeking to encourage you to obedience. The Holy Spirit wants to show you and encourage you how to be obedient. Obedient? What do you mean? Obedient to the Lord. You don't believe me. What happened in the garden? Two people left alone, didn't have much going on. What did they do? They were disobedient. That disobedience led to a mess. Cain and Abel out in the field, Cain got mad because God didn't accept his sacrifice. What happened? Cain became disobedient. Story as old as time. But one thing that I have found in my studies, in my research, in my prayer life, in my going through this, and as God highlights it to life to me, is that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, he's teaching people how to walk properly. He's teaching people how to to live their life that would exalt his name up high and show them their mighty hands and feet of what God wants to do. Kings would come and serve him and, and honor God and listen and the Holy Spirit would be upon them and the kingdom would thrive. Let me tell you, obedience for some reason in the churches today and in the world today seems bad. My kids, I told you, I'm teaching them obedience. Why? Because that's the one thing that I've learned, but I need the Holy Spirit to come in and teach them even greater obedience. It's their choices. It's every single one of your choice, every single day, who you get to love and serve. You can serve you, or you can serve him. You can serve your neighbor, or you can serve him. You can do all these great things and think that you're doing good, but if it's not for his glory and his only glory, you're not walking in obedience. That's the struggle that we have because sin came into our lives and made us a mess. If it wasn't so, God wouldn't have spoke to his prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36 where he reminds us and said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the, star, the heart of stone and, uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. 
Can we say that again? I'll give you a heart of flesh and get rid of that heart of stone. But I'm not going to leave that part done. I'm going to put my spirit back within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be carefully to obey my rules. I'm going to give you a new heart, one that might jump and joy and do all these things. But that's not enough to get you to actually be what I need you to be. That's what God's saying. You might get a good glimmer from this message. You might get a little excited from the jokes I might tell from the pulpit and give you a little laughter as I try to relate this stuff to you. But it's not until you realize that God has not designed you enough to just be dry. Just to be stagnant. His word is clear and concise when he says you are never designed to be just you alone. His word was clear when he says, I will have my spirit put within you. You see, in the book of Genesis, he says, I cannot let my spirit dwell within them that much longer. But in in Ezekiel, he's looking around at Ezekiel and he says, I will put a new spirit within them, my spirit, one that will restore them. Because I'm so sick and tired of seeing them well or dwell in the rocks and and, and then the horribleness that they keep choosing. Let me say right now, today, that's what God is trying to tell the church. I don't want a dry church any longer. I don't want a people that don't get a little excited because he is God. I don't want to get a a little bit less excited every single day of my life because that's exactly what drives me. He wants to give you the power, the ability to get through it, the encouragement that you need to walk this life out, to walk in the obedience of the commandments that God set forth. Every week I tell you to leave this place, go and love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Let me tell you, I cannot do that on my own. I have yet to meet one person that could ever do that on their own. The only way that you could ever do that is by full surrender. And saying, Lord, I can't do it, but Lord, send your spirit now and let me have it right. Send your spirit now and let him condemn me. Lord, send your spirit now and let him right me and my wrongs. Let him condemn me and show me which way I need to go. Show me the things that I'm doing wrong because there are some things in this life that I think I'm good until he looks at me and says, you're good here, but you got this right here. It's like, okay, God, I look good on the package on the outside. But he says, but they don't know about this one issue over here. They don't know that you got a good mouth in the church, but on, on Mondays, sometimes those, those curse words come through. Sometimes they don't know that you look good on this day over here. Everybody thinks you're clean, but they don't know you're drinking over there. You think you're good, but you're not. They don't know that you, you act all proper in the church on one day and, the re- and about every other day of the week, but that one day that when that wife makes you mad, you lose your temper and you look, You see, what I'm trying to say is there's some issues within us that we cannot walk in full obedience without the Spirit. I can look at the Ten Commandments and say, I can do all those. 
That's easy. You look at the rich young ruler, and he's like, oh, I could, I've done all that all my life. And Jesus says, okay, go do that. But do this one thing. Go sell everything you got and come follow me. You see, that's the struggle that the Holy Spirit is trying to deal with each and every one of us. What is it that he's been trying to waken your heart and your mind to the truth of to show you that the obedience has to come forth? Only then and only truly then will you start seeing the next step of what God wants to show in the reality because you are made for more. More than this life. You think your life is great all the time? No, it can get better than this. I'm not trying to say a Joel Olstein kind of, oh, oh, if you just do this, it'll make it better. No, I'm saying that God's meant you for more, and if that more is on this side of heaven, that's great. But if it's more on that side of heaven, even better. But I know one thing for sure that I can hold on to every single day. I wake up every day and I say, Lord, I need your spirit. Because if it's not your spirit, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with what Joshua would say. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm sorry, that should be our cry and our declaration every single day. Lord, I need you to help me be the best person that I can be that you are leading me to so that I could set the captives free. So that I can start seeing some mighty works come forth into this place. Only then can I ever see people actually get saved. That's why I cannot come up here and just say any words in this pulpit. It's got to be his words. It's got to be everything that he has. If you'll stand with me this morning. Today I truly feel that God is trying to tell each and every one of us that he wants to encompass you, to encourage you, to run, even when you feel like you need to walk. He's wanting to speak to you and tell you that you're valuable even though you feel ashamed. He's wanting to teach you that you've got to say yes to the crazy things that seem like they're, they're, they're insurmountable in your own understandings. See, he's trying to teach us something. That's why I love when Jesus told the disciples, you can't go anywhere until you get up into that upper room. You can't do enough. I've already ascended up to heaven, but he's like, I, I can't send you out because you're not enough. You can't do the crazy things because you're not enough. But nonetheless, I'm going to send the help. If that's you this morning and you've been living your life and you need his help, just raise your hand up this morning. All over the room. All over the room. You see, right now, that hand should be the declaration that says, God, I'm done by myself. I need you. Send your spirit within me and around me and let me have the ability to get further along than I ever have. Lord, I need you, Lord, right now because the mess that I'm living in is not enough. Let us pray this morning that he does just that. Before we leave this place, let us pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God. Lord, that even in creation, Lord, you could have just left us and said you're done. Even after Noah, Lord, you could have just said you're done. But God, there's some reason of your love that allows us to have the hope, Lord, that you'll not just leave us in this mess, but that you will give us the power 
and the sound mind, Lord, to put our focus on you. So, Lord, those hands that were raised this morning, Lord, I ask that you just come down, Lord. Send your spirit upon them greater than they ever have, Lord. Let them fill you and just know that you're right there with them, God. Let them fill you all around them, encompassing them, speaking to them like only you can, God. Holy Spirit, come down into this place, Lord, and just empower them, Lord, to give the ability, Lord, that they could be greater than what they once were. But God, I ask also that you just come, Lord, right now and just move upon every single other person, Lord, that was not, that's in this place or on the live stream that needs you, that needs your hope, that needs your life, that needs your spirit even more than they ever realized. Because what I keep looking around in this world is we need more spirit and less flesh. We need more truth and less flesh. We need more reassurance, Lord, and less flesh. And we need more submission of your vessels, Lord, that you would be the thing that would allow us to be what you called us to be. Just bearers of your image, God. Lord, filled with your spirit. God, I ask you to touch each and every person, Lord, this morning. Strengthen them through this week, Lord. Give them the power and the knowledge and the sound mind to keep waking up every single day, Lord. And saying, not by thy power, Lord, but by yours. Not by my will, Lord, but yours. Not by my strength, but by your spirit within me. God, touch us, Lord, this day. Be with us, God, and keep us in your will. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Now I get to tell you this. Go. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then, love your neighbor as yourself. Then you could fulfill all the Ten Commandments and all the laws of the Lord and give Him the glory and honor because you will be the vessels that are not just for yourself, but are getting poured out into those around you.